It's good to be back. It's good to see you all again. I, I bring you greetings from your brothers and your sisters at Grace Church of North Olmstead. And I got to share, it's always a blessing to come down into fellowship with you uh, because it's a mutual encouragement. I'm encouraged when I witness and I look out and I see God's faithfulness to his people on the faces here. A lot of faces I know and I've known over the years, and I see a lot of faces I don't know. And that is a sign of God's blessing. Uh, that, apart from the kids sprouting up, I was just saying um, to Christine on the way here, my wife, that the first time we came over, uh, I think Evie was in the carrier. Uh, and you don't really notice time until you see the kids. Uh, and so my, my five daughters are here, too. I said I was going to mention them in the service, which is always, you know, they're so scared when I say that. Um, but it's a good threat to have as a dad. Uh, you know, the church as a people are people who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. In one sense, we all share the same testimony, and we should, according to Scripture. Yet in another very real sense, every saint has a very unique and personal account of the grace of God in their lives. And the heart of a believer in Jesus Christ is to share that personal testimony for the glory of God. And yes, it's all going to be a relatively same in, the, in that we're all saved the same way by faith in Jesus Christ, by his work and not our own. But there's a uniqueness in our personal story that we are to share to glorify God. I want to do that this morning. I, uh, and I would like to use my personal testimony of God's grace and mercy to me and to my family in bringing me out of the ICU and through COVID pneumonia. And I want to do that to point you to the greater grace and mercy that God has shown me and us in saving us from a much worse fate than death in a hospital bed and giving me a much greater life than the one that I enjoy here on this earth with my kids and my wife. Let me emphasize here, I got to do this in, in my day-to-day -day job. I'm a prosecuting attorney in Lorain County, so I got to be a little bit lawyery here. So let me emphasize here that nothing that I say this morning is meant to be political. Nothing is meant to be a directive to you or your family in regard to your personal health care choices. And nothing is meant to dissuade you from or promote any type of preventative medical treatment. Okay, caveat established. <laughs> what I hope I will do this morning is open up the word of God to share with you my only hope as I laid in an ICU hospital bed contemplating death. And I want to do that in the context of this virus that threatened my physical life. It gave me a different perspective on all this COVID talk. It gave me a biblical perspective, I pray, an eternal perspective, and surely a gospel perspective. So as we set our minds and hearts on the word of God this morning, my prayer is that this would change the way that we talk and interact with each other and the world on this topic and on the next crisis that's going to come down the pike because another one's coming. And that this pandemic and whatever's next would be a vehicle for the gospel. Okay? So 
The title of this message you have on your note, it's The Gospel According to COVID. I don't, usually don't like cutesy titles, but I couldn't resist. And we're going to look at it under five separate headings. And the first one is this, if you have your note sheet. I like the blanks. They especially help the kids follow along. And it's Roman numeral number one, the gospel in the virus, the personal reach of the curse of sin. Now, the first question that we ask ourselves is, why has COVID been considered such a danger? Why was it such a matter of concern? And the answer is mainly because the extent of the danger, or at least what was reported, the extent of the danger that this COVID virus posed. The danger being death. Death is the real problem, not the virus. If COVID made people just nauseous, not a big deal. By the way, it does make you nauseous. If COVID made people tired, just tired, not a big deal. What made this such a major issue was the risk of death. But friends, there is a greater virus that brings more than just the risk of death. It is a virus that guarantees your death. And that's the virus of sin. Now, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. It can't get any more clear than that. And death is the sure end of every person that is infected by sin. And what is sin? Well, the Bible tells us what sin is too. The Bible tells us that sin is lawlessness, that sin is disobedience. Sin is anything and everything that is in rebellion to the will and the word of God. God who himself is the source of life. And from the beginning, God warned mankind that the curse of sin had a requirement. The curse of sin required death. In the Garden of Eden, you remember the account from Genesis that God gave abundant provision to Adam and to Eve. He, he literally placed them in the perfect place in that garden for their success and their provision abundantly. But he gave them a simple command. Not to eat of only one of those many, many trees he surrounded them with for their provision. And he said why. He said, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. That's Genesis 2.17. And we know what happened, that Adam and Eve disobeyed the word of God, and we read in our scriptures that through one man, sin came into the world, and it spread. Listen to Romans 5.12. Paul wrote, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin... And so death spread to all men because all sinned. You know what that's there? That's pandemic language right there. What do we see when we look at the COVID pandemic, if we're going to compare it? We see it's infecting all lands, or it was infecting all lands, that there's death in all the lands, that COVID is and was an uncontainable global pandemic that was affecting every continent, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every people. We saw also that it was affecting all people, that it was death in all people, that it had been reported that the number of COVID-19 cases had surpassed 200 million, and that 
allegedly there was 4.5 million deaths. But beyond that, we see it was beyond all understanding that there was death despite all the efforts of men. Despite the combined efforts of every nation around the world to combat this virus, it was uncontrollable. It was beyond their understanding and preparation. Though our greatest scientific minds all got together and they scrambled to deal with new variants and their effects, they couldn't. And friends, this is sad, but there is an infinitely greater danger of the eternal death that has infected every land. Indeed, the word of God tells us that the entire world groans under bondage of the corruption of sin in Romans 8, that the entire world is marked for this destruction. And the curse of sin has resulted in a lot more than 4.5 million deaths, guys. Because scripture tells me as I read that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because all have sinned, all are marked for death. And despite all the combined efforts of mankind and of kingdoms and of nations and of regimes through the ages to avoid and contain the curse of sin, the death rate is still 100%. Man's sin is beyond even our own understanding, as I read in my scriptures, that the consequence of the death of sin, or of sin, the consequence of sin, that is death, it's utterly unavoidable. And we see that in our next point, which is Roman numeral number two, if you're following along in the note sheet. The gospel in prevention. That is, the personal efforts to avoid the curse of sin. Now, where there's a danger of death, obviously, rational thinking people want to avoid that. We make obvious efforts to avoid the bad result. And in regards to COVID, everyone in the world had a response to the reported danger of death, whether you wanted to respond or not. Some people supported the responses. Some people were upset about the responses. But the point that I'm making right now is that mankind has a natural, listen to my words, a natural response when confronted with the danger of death. In regards to the danger of death from COVID, these responses may be helpful in avoiding the danger of death, and they may not be. But in regards to the danger of the death from sin, the natural responses of mankind to try to avoid the curse of sin and the death that we are due, they accomplish absolutely nothing. Let's look at some examples in relation to COVID. First of all, A under Roman numeral number two. We have cover or masks. One of the first responses to COVID was that mandate to wear your masks. And the issue of masks and their effectiveness and their requirement has been a source of much conflict um, in the world, even in our churches. And I would ask that we reject the temptation to join the back and forth of that debate for a different perspective that points us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, think about a mask. A mask is nothing more than a covering. A covering worn as a means of protection from deadly consequences, right? And what's the first thing that Adam and Eve did after they disobeyed the word of God? When they took of that tree and they ate from that tree that God said, in the day that you eat of it, you're surely going to die. The first thing they did is they took cover. 
The first thing that they did, Scripture tells us, is that they made for themselves coverings out of sown fig leaves. And then they ducked for cover in the bushes, hiding themselves among the trees of the garden. They became infected with sin. Their eyes were open to their shame. And they knew that they were marked for death by the word of God. This God from whom they had previously had sweet fellowship with in the garden. Now they're hiding. But friends, did Adam and Eve's attempt to cover themselves work? We know from scripture it did not. They couldn't hide from God. They couldn't hide their shame. They couldn't avoid the consequences of their actions. But God did something there. He did something for them that was a preview of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Genesis 3.21 tells us that God made for them a covering. That God made garments of skin for them. That meant that an animal had to die. A sacrifice had to be made to cover their sin. And scripture says, you can read it there, that God clothed. Men still try to cover themselves to avoid the death that is the consequence of their sin. Most try to cover themselves with good works. I'm a pretty good guy. And when they do that, it's like they're trying to sew fig leaves together. Fig leaves that are fading and won't last. It still doesn't work. Isaiah 64.6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. There's that picture of the sowing of the leaves. We all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now, please don't understand me. Wear a mask when appropriate without complaint. I'm not, I'm not preaching anti-mask. We're, we're preaching the gospel. But do so knowing that no matter how many masks you put on your face, we're all eventually going to die because of sin. There's also a truth contained in the other response of the world to the COVID pandemic, and one that brings even more controversy and conflict among people. And this is under the section B, works. Works. Mankind has worked very hard to develop a vaccine to combat the virus. And what is a vaccine? Think about it. A vaccine is a substance used to stimulate the production of antibodies and provide immunity against a disease which is prepared from the causative agent of a disease. I got that from the internet. Um, so let me give you the basics. It just means you give a weakened or a tiny bit of the bad stuff to you in an effort to develop an immunity from the bad disease and avoid death. Again, my purpose here is not to debate or discuss the merits of a COVID vaccine, but it is clear that it is a major source of conflict. The world is involved in these heated debates regarding COVID vaccine, and these arguments have infiltrated our churches, and they usually, friends, accomplish nothing besides separating us. My purpose in bringing up this morning is simply to highlight another truth about the natural response of mankind to try to avoid the curse of sin and death. And that's this, the best efforts of men to avoid the consequences of their sin always, always contain that bad stuff in an effort to overcome death. 
What do I mean? In other words, because mankind, we're all born dead in our trespasses and sins, anything and everything that we do is tainted with sin. And sin brings forth only death. It can't bring forth life. It's, it's impossible. And as we've already seen in Scripture, our righteousness, we read it in Isaiah, our righteousness, our best works, it's like filthy rags. Stuff we use to wipe up excrement. In Philippians 3, 4 through 8, the Apostle Paul listed all the reasons he's, that he might have confidence in himself for his good works and in his flesh. All the things that made him good. And he says that they, they not only do nothing, he counts them as like a loss. They're in the negative column, actually. So whether or not you get a COVID vaccine, your personal choice, we have people in our church who've been vaccinated. We have people in our church who are not. Let's talk about this subject with grace, but here's the obvious truth. A vaccine may prevent death from COVID. It may not. But everyone, eventually, vaccinated or not, is going to die. But there's another natural response of many people to COVID that can point us to the gospel, and it's C, under in your notes. It's denial. Denial. Those that say there's no judgment because there's no God. The other side of mankind's natural response to the danger of death from sin is just straight-up denial. And we see this with the COVID uh, pandemic, too. There are those who have minimized the danger of the virus, deny it's real, or under the belief that it will not reach or affect them. That was me. Um, or that they are strong enough to overcome it. Again, me. Um, or that they spend their time speculating that COVID is a means to control them and take away their freedoms. In other words, some deny the danger or put confidence in their own strength or assert trust in their limited understanding in an effort to avoid perceived control over them. And this is what mankind naturally does in response to the danger of death from sin that's proclaimed in the word of God. Why do I say that? Listen to Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. We have to, we have to humble ourselves enough to know, friends, that we're born in that state. We're born fools, okay? Psalm 94.3-7 says, Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? They utter speech and speak insolent things. All the workers of iniquity boast in themselves, verse 7, yet they say, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob understand. Or Psalm ten thirteen. why do the wicked renounce God? The wicked say in their heart, you will not require an account. See, the wicked deny the truth of the word of God. This word of God that scripture tells me is living and powerful and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, of my heart. And, and it, I read in scripture that the, the word of God is, says, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things lay naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. We don't like to think about that. Men like to, mankind, we like to spend our lives on the passing pleasures of sin, the things of this world that are fading away. We like to act like death is never going to come, especially if you're young, because it's far away away, 
right? Or at least that's what we think. We try to pretend it won't come. And we reject the word of God and we rebel against this perception that, oh, the word of God's going to stifle me. It's going to control me. It's going to take away my freedom or my ability to enjoy this world. When in reality, the word of God is the only means by which you may experience true freedom from the bondage of sin that each and every one of us is born into. The word of God is the only way where you can experience true joy, peace, satisfaction, because there's no true joy, peace, or satisfaction in any other than Jesus Christ. We're so willing to go out and buy a fake, false, cheap knockoff version that can't do a thing. Despite the denial of men, the day of every man's death and subsequent judgment is imminent. That's a fancy word, kids, meaning close. And it's impending. That's another fancy word meaning unavoidable. Why? Again, because all men have contracted the disease of sin, and that's our next main point. It's Roman numeral number three now. The gospel in the contraction. The personal application of the curse of sin. Now, personally for me, I don't know when or how I contracted the COVID-19 virus. But, a, but viruses are passed from person to person. Some unknown person infected me with a virus that entered into me unseen inside of me. That, that's the point I'm trying to make here. It, and once it was inside of me, there was a, underneath your notes, there was no escape. It was unseen and internal. But so is the, the way we contract sin into our lives. Sin is passed from person to person. The first man, Adam, was patient zero. Romans 5.19 tells us, again, by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And sin also is something we are born with. Psalm 51.5. Remember, David says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity or sin or guilt. And in sin, my mother conceived me. But lest, you, lest we all put all the blame on Adam, which is what we want to do, Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God personally. Romans 5.12 explains, Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, but it doesn't stop there. Keep reading, it says, because all sinned. We've all died. Mankind dies because of their sin, not the sins of other people. We all die because we all sin. We are not only infected, guys, don't miss this, we are the infection. And we can't escape it. Why do I say that? Because like the COVID virus, sin is internal. It taints our flesh. And it is beyond our understanding. Jeremiah 17, 9, you know it. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? In Mark 7, 21, Jesus said, that which comes out of the person, that is what defiles the person. For from within... Jesus says, from within, out of the hearts of people come evil thoughts, acts of sexual immorality, thefts, murders, acts of adultery, deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the person. Those are the words of Christ. And as he lists those things, 
I see myself. Do you see you? Apart from the grace of God, this is how all people live their lives, in sin, pursuing the lusts of the flesh and of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, living and acting like their sin is going to have no consequences until it does. And that leads to the next sub-point B under this uh, Roman numeral 3, I think we're on. No warning. No warning. It's unexpected acknowledgement. Again, going back to my example, I don't know how long the virus was inside of me percolating around. Um, But when I started to feel really sick outwardly, I had just started my long-awaited vacation out of state. I... Every year I look forward, our, our girls, we, take, we go to the beach at the Outer Banks of North Carolina. We get the same house, and we, it's a place for me to have fellowship with my extended family. I'm one of six kids. We all get together. Everybody, we have a countdown in our kitchen right now. Um, I had been working so hard at my job. I had just been focusing, just trying to get to my most favorite place on the planet. I love being at the beach, even though I'm very pale and I sunburn easily. I enjoy my family. I enjoy fishing from the, from the shore. I do surf fishing. I enjoy the fruits of, of my labor one week a year. Just one week. But COVID hit me before I could even get my feet in the sand. I was able to drive down there because I was so determined. But I crashed when I got to that house. And my point is this. It was unexpected. It was unplanned, but the reality had to be acknowledged, and sin's the same way. Jesus told a parable in Luke 12. You remember this parable, and it came to my mind as I was laying in the hospital. Jesus told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Here's the point, friends. The consequences of sin that is inside the righteous judgment that is due every single person because of their sin. It will come at a time that you will not expect, but that you cannot deny. Death often comes unexpectedly despite our planning, despite our efforts, despite our hordes of resources for the future that we store up. And we need to be ready because the reality of judgment came to my mind in the reality of going to that little beachside hospital and then testing me and saying, eh, you're positive for COVID and pneumonia. And that's the third sub-point I lead to, number uh, C under this. No mercy. No mercy. Unrelenting reckoning. I like fancy words. Look, I didn't feel bad because I tested positive for COVID. Like, oh, you're positive. I'm like, oh. I felt bad because I was sick. And the sickness was unrelenting 
as I will talk uh, about more in the next major point. But the reality is that we all have to reckon with COVID when all these mandates were on us. We've all had to think about it. We've all had to deal with it. We all had to take precautions whether you wanted to or not. Why? Because COVID was unrelenting and impartial in its attack. It affected old people. It affected young people. It affected the strong. It affected the weak. It affected rich and poor. It didn't matter. The high and the lowly, the wise and the fool, everybody could be affected. And though we were affected and people were affected on different levels, some would just feel sick, some would be in danger of death, some would die. That's not the way it is with sin. All all are going to die with sin. Sin affects the same way. Sin affects the old and the weak, the young and the old, the strong, the weak. I messed that up. You know what I'm saying. The high, the lowly, doesn't matter. It affects everybody. All of us have an appointed time, according to Scripture, that we will die and that we will come to judgment. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the opposite. God has provided an escape in his Son, Jesus Christ, a warning in his word, and his mercy he provided at the cross. All for his glory and for your life. Thankfully, even though I was diagnosed with COVID pneumonia, I obviously am standing here. I did not die. Spoiler alert. Uh, But I did experience symptoms that reminded me of the truth of the gospel, and that's the next major point. It's Roman numeral number four. The gospel and the symptoms, in the symptoms, the personal effect of the curse of sin. And I want to kind of go over those and talk about how they reminded me of the gospel. A, no sense. There was a senselessness. One of the most common symptoms of COVID is a loss of senses. And many times the loss of taste or smell is an indicator that you had or have had COVID. And this loss lasts many months and some have yet to regain the many pleasures of life that come through aroma and the taste buds. Like my wife, she can't, still can't smell, which is good because she doesn't say, ever say I have bad breath anymore. But bad because she can't smell the good things that she's making for dinner. In worse situations, you not only lose your senses, but they are replaced with bad ones uh, where everything smells or tastes horrible. Uh, This is a reminder to us, friends, though, of where we're all heading. Again, because we're infected with sin and live in a sin-cursed world, the pleasures of this life that we experience right now, they're all fading away. They're all going to be lost and not appreciated as much. You can read all about this, kids, in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12, the wisest man in the world wrote, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come, he writes. When the years draw, it says, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And then he goes on these beautiful descriptions of, eh, I can't chew anymore. I can't smell anymore. I can't eat anymore. And he says in verse 7, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. A symptom of those who are sick with sin is that they will eventually lose their physical senses. That is, their ability to enjoy the blessings of God in this world. 
but they also act senselessly. They are calloused to the true and lasting pleasures that come from tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Uh, The sick with sin can't smell what is good. They lose that. They don't have it. Instead, they smell something that's supposed to smell good, but they say, oh, that smells awful. Listen to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, that is through believers, reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him, that is Jesus Christ, in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Here's basically what he's saying. The sick and sin cannot smell the aroma of life in Jesus Christ. They, when they hear about him or come into contact, they only smell death. Ugh. The sick in sin are deaf to the words of life of, in Christ. God is the one who has to open their ears. The sick in sin are blind to the light of life that is in Christ. God has to open their eyes. And Psalm 92, 5 says, O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. Listen to verse 6. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. In other words, the people of the world are like grass. They're here one day, they're gone the next. Their end is destruction. They're senseless. And this verse points to the next symptom. B, no strength. No strength. There's a weakness. Another very common symptom of COVID is an overwhelming weakness, a lack of strength. I know of those who were telling me about their accounts with COVID. They didn't have enough strength to reach out and grab a glass of water. Uh, It affected them so much. All they could do was lay there. Again, this is a reminder of those who are sick in sin. They put on airs of being strong and sure, but they really have no strength. They have no foundation, in other words. Because the sick in sin, they put their trust in the idols of this world. Idols of their own making. Idols that can't see or hear or taste and have no power of themselves to save. Isaiah 45.20 says, They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. They're powerless. Now, think about this, especially kids. I'm getting old. I mean, my little nephews and stuff, they want to play basketball. And my my own daughters, they play basketball. They run cross country. I can't keep up. But the strongest man today will be weak and old in a matter of years just got to wait them out. God is the one who must provide his strength to you if you would live and not die. Listen to Isaiah 40, 28. And this is a beautiful picture of strength. Listen to these words. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, Yahweh, is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary 
and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And speaking of running, that leads to the next symptom of COVID that reminds me of the gospel. It's now C. No breath. Breathless. I spent the first two days of my vacation determining in my heart to tough it out. Just seal me up in this room. I'm going to push through my sickness. But what eventually sent me to the ER hospital was when my wife checked my blood oxygen level with that little doohickey on my finger. And it was very low. She told me at that point I had to go to the ER. And by that time, I was too sick and weak to argue, even though I wanted to. Here's the point. The point is I couldn't breathe, friends. I couldn't inspire enough oxygen to be able to live. So when I got to the hospital one of the first things that had to happen is I had to be put on oxygen. I had to have a mask and then a tube pushing oxygen into my nose and my mouth. And I was, from that moment on, I was constantly thinking about the number, my, my oxygen, my breathing, because I was very concerned about being put on a ventilator. I did not want to be put on a ventilator, which kids is basically a a machine that breathes for you and they got to stick a tube down your throat. Did not want that. A common and deadly symptom of COVID is breathlessness. And it's pretty basic. When you have no breath, you're dead. Friends, this is the state, though, that you and I are all born into in our sin. Scripture says, again, very clearly, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And that means, take it a step further, that you're without breath. Scripture says that man puts their hope and trust in idols. Remember we read about those idols? And it says specifically about those idols, and there is no breath in them. And we spend our lives chasing after people. We spend our lives chasing after things, positions that we think is going to give us life. And here's a fancy word everybody likes to say, inspire us. And friends, it's chasing after the wind. You're never going to catch it. If we would live and not die, you have to be given breath. The wind that you're trying to chase has to come to you. Do you know what that's called? It's called inspiration. And that's the way it was from the beginning. From the beginning, Genesis 2, verse 7 tells us that the Lord God, he formed man from the dust of the earth. And what happened then? Scripture tells us that he literally says this. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It wasn't the formed physical stuff that made Adam alive. He was just a clump of dirt, right? It was the fact that God breathed life into Adam. And the same is true for you. We may be physically able to take in air and live for a time, 
But spiritually, you're all born dead with no breath. God has to give you breath. God has to give you inspiration. And here's the good news, though. He's done it. Where has he done it? God has given us his holy word. That Bible you're holding in your lap, you know what it says about this Bible in 2 Corinthians 3.16? It says, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching and for rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Listen to verse 17. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is why we say that God's word, this Bible, is inspired. It is that God-breathed word that is able to enter into now a person and able to give me life. And the central message of this God-breathed word is the living word of God, Jesus Christ, who himself has declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ laid down his sinless life on the cross of Calvary after crying out what? He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, it says in Luke 23, 46, he breathed his last. Think about this. Jesus Christ took upon himself the state of your sin, sick, breathlessness, and he died. Why? He did that so that you, or I should say everyone who believes in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. You know this from John 3.16. And when Jesus rose from the grave and came to his disciples and he sent them out, John 20.22 20, tells you this. I don't know if you've ever connected this. It says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Just as God had done at the beginning, Jesus breathed on his people. Jesus gave them his Holy Spirit. And it was only because of that fact that they live right now. And if you would live and not die, you need breath. You need inspiration. You need Jesus Christ. When I was in the hospital, I could not move very far. I was constantly tethered to my source of oxygen by a tube giving me what I needed to live. I had like wires connected all over my body, monitoring my vital signs. And I was reminded in that moment that we need to be constantly tethered to the inspired and living and active word of God. Why? Because I need the word of God to live. It is a blessed tether to me that keeps me from death. Because this is a true monitoring of my vital signs. And it's the only source of true discernment. Remember I read, I don't know what, what's going on. I can't even figure out my own heart. But this word of God knows my heart. It's able to make those cuts and determinations and discernments that I can't between my thoughts and intentions of my mind and my heart. The next symptom of COVID that reminds me of the gospel is D now. 
no relationships, separation, alone. You know, from the moment I stepped in the ER and I even said the word COVID, it was like there was an immediate separation. I was immediately directed to my own separate waiting area before I even got back. Uh, Before I could even sit down, they whisked me back to my own room in the very far back corner that had its own air filtration system. And from that point on, every human being that interacted with me was separated from me because they were covered from head to toe in layers of cloth and plastic. But the worst part, friends, was being separated from my wife and my children. At the ER, Christine couldn't go back with me, and there really wasn't much time to say goodbye. It just kind of happened. And the next day, I learned that I was going to be separated further because they wanted to fly me in a helicopter to another state to an ICU. So I'm laying in this room alone by myself, and suddenly a lady who I thought was a nurse, who's covered from head to toe in PPE, is coming in crying. And I'm thinking, why is this nurse crying? It wasn't a nurse, it was my wife. And she had insisted on seeing me before I went so that she could say goodbye to me, which we didn't know we may have been for the last time. And I'm thinking, this is supposed to be my vacation. I was supposed to finally be enjoying some quality time with my wife and my kids on the beach where I wasn't distracted by work and my responsibilities at church. And I, but now I found myself in a spot where I couldn't even be near them. And I found myself in a spot where I was supposed to be in the most deepest relationship with people, and I was utterly alone. Friends, COVID reminded me vividly of this gospel truth. Write it down, kids. Sin separates. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from what is good, even though we think it's going to give us what's good. It's a trick. Don't fall for it. But sin separates us from each other, too. You got problems with your wife? Guaranteed it's because of sin somewhere. I know. It happens to me all the time. The end of sin Though, if we read in our scripture, the end of sin is completely cutting you off from blessing. Something that we're going to touch about on the next point. And I want you to think again about your your Bibles. Think about your scriptures. Think about that first sin in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve's sin separated them from God, the God they used to commune with and fellowship when they walked with him in the cool of the day. And because of sin, they hid from him and they feared him. And they couldn't be in that garden anymore, that place of provision, that place of blessing, that place of God's presence. And then we saw that Adam and Eve's sin, it separated them from each other. Because when they get called out, what happens? Adam casts blame on his wife to avoid his responsibility. Well, it's the woman you gave me. And then... This is the, mind you, this is the one that he previously declared to God, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is the one he had a duty to care for. He threw her under the bus. Then Adam and Eve separated from themselves, where Eve blames then the, the serpent. And for the first time, Adam and Eve feel shame 
about themselves, and they try to cover or separate themselves from their shame, and it doesn't work. Now listen, God created us to all long for relationship. That's a good thing. And this is because you and I were created to be in relationship. But the relationship that we were truly created for was not in some special guy or special gal. The relationship that you were truly created for was a relationship with God. And we were made to glorify him. But sin is selfish, right? Sin is born out of our personal pride, out of our personal lusts. It destroys personal relationships and it separates That is why it makes no sense to engage in sin as a means of obtaining this relationship for which you were made for and desire. It can't deliver, okay? But on the day that you die, you may have your spouse and your children and your friends all around your bed, but when you die, you go alone. And those that die in their sin, this is the scariest part, those that die in their sin will face judgment before God alone and the result of that judgment according to scripture will be a further separation second thessalonians one says those who do not know god and on those who do not obey the gospel of our lord jesus they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction listen to this away from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his might Hell is simply separation from God. God who is all good, all glorious. And this leads to the next symptom of COVID that reminded me of the gospel that's E, it's no comfort, it's incapable. My experience with COVID was very uncomfortable. On top of being separated from the comfort of my family, aside from being separated from the comfort of being able to breathe regularly, I just felt constantly nauseous and sick and just plain old crummy. And when I felt, when I felt good and I was super busy at work and kind of stressed out, the thought of laying in a bed for a few days with no responsibilities and no, the phone not ringing, that sounds pretty good. But the reality was much, much different. Everything in life that would usually be a comfort or a distraction for me, it did nothing. It was actually the opposite. It was a discouragement. I would get a call from a a lady I barely understood on the phone every day saying, what did I want to eat? I could have anything. And I could order from the hospital cafeteria, but when it came, I didn't even want to eat it. I had every channel on that television to watch in that hospital room that I could imagine Every movie that had come out, they were playing it. But it was all frivolous, empty, or some news program telling me how everybody's dying of COVID. (laughs) I had my iPad. I had the internet and Netflix and all the forms of entertainment of the world at my fingertips. It was all tiresome. It offered me no comfort. And no matter what position that I laid in, there was no comfort or relief. And everything around me that the world offered me for comfort was incapable of giving me comfort or peace or joy. But more than that, they couldn't make me better. And my only true comfort came through my my phone, my, my little lifeline to my family that I could call and talk to, encouraged me in the word of God, 
and I had my Grace to You app, and I was listening to John MacArthur, anybody else who could just preach sermons that would encourage me in my heart. Friends, as we've already talked about, sin separates us from God, but we need to think about who God is. Scripture tells us that he is the God of all comfort. All is one of those inclusive words that separates from anything else. You don't get comfort anywhere else. Psalm 1611 says, you make me to know the path of life in your presence. This is a prayer to God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What does fullness mean? It means there's no joy anywhere else. All, he has all joy. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And here's the point. Man's state of being sick in sin separates them from God. And to be separated from God is to be separated from all life, from all joy, from all pleasure, from all comfort, and all blessing. And again, don't miss, young people, the lie of sin to you is, oh, you can get comfort in this. You can get pleasure in this. You can get blessing in this. Come on. It's easy. And I promise you, it will always disappoint you and leave you empty. Many people have the pleasures that this world has to offer. You, you look on the internet or magazines or whatever people look at and say, whoa, that's living. But it's all going to pass away. They can do nothing for you on the day of judgment or beyond this life because they don't last. They do nothing to cure you from the sickness of your sin and save you from the death that comes with it. So what can? That's the last main point. It's Roman numeral number five. The gospel in the cure from God. The personal cure from the curse of sin. Again, I am very thankful that I am no longer sick and I am recovered from COVID. But a few things had to happen for me to get better. Which I'm going to summarize for you in three subpoints from a gospel perspective. Here's the first subpoint: A. Repent. You got to flee from and flee to. Now listen, I don't like hospitals. I don't like seeing doctors. In my pride, I don't like showing weakness. I got six ladies to impress back home, and I'm the only dude. I got to be strong. I would rather try to tough it out. And I'll be honest, I didn't think I would get COVID throughout the pandemic I never stopped going to work. I interacted freely with many people. I live with a bunch of germ-infested kids. I thought, I'm good. And I was determined on top of that to have a vacation. I was determined not to be sick. And I was determined to get over this and get back to my plans. I thought I'd sleep it off. I thought I'd take over the counter meds. I thought I would will it away. And guys, I couldn't. I was powerless. When my oxygen levers were so low that my will had been broken, I had to admit that I was really sick. And it was probably pretty bad. And it became clear that I could not stay where I was. Where was I? I was in that place that I worked so hard to get to. I was in that place I dreamed of being. In my mind, the best place on the planet. But if I stayed there, it would be the place of my death. 
I had to flee from the place of death where I was, and I had to flee to the place of life where I was not. So I went to the hospital, and I left everything behind. I left my family behind. I didn't pack a bag. I left my stuff behind. I left my really cool surf rod. It's like 12 feet long behind. And with all the new tackle I bought, didn't even get to use it. And guys, I never went back to that beach house. I never went back. Friends, if you would be cured from the sickness of sin, you have to flee from the place of death where you are right now. Even if you worked really hard to get there. Even if it looks really good from the world's perspective. You have to flee from that place and you have to flee to where there is life. Where you are not. In other words, you have to repent from your sin. The word repent just means to turn away from something. To leave something behind. If you would live, this is not an option for you. You can't, can't, I couldn't have hung out at the beach house and be like, yeah, send a doctor over. It'll be cool. It wouldn't have been cool. This is a command. It's where you have to begin. And Paul told the men of Athens in Acts 17.30, when he was preaching the gospel to them, he said, Now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Paul is highlighting here that Jesus Christ is coming to judge, and the judgment for sinners is death. Therefore, repent of your sin. And repenting comes when you realize, it only comes when you realize you're sick, when you realize that you're dead. That you're dead in your sins, and it's the first step towards life. When Peter was preaching to the many of the house of Israel in Acts 2 about their sin against God and the Lord Jesus Christ, Scripture says, you can read it there, that they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, they said, what shall we do? And listen to Peter's reply. He, this is the first thing he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So here Peter points out that repenting is not just turning from something, but turning to someone. It is turning toward Jesus Christ, his will, his word. Paul also pointed out that repenting is a turning to when he spoke to King Agrippa in Acts 26. Paul preached to all the people. It says that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. And what are those deeds in keeping with repentance? It's the second subpoint B. Second action I took, submit. Submit, reject your way, and submit to the way. Now, again, I already told you about my efforts to, and my plans in dealing with my sickness on my own and my own power and my own strength, but my own way was not working. So when I got to the hospital and I got taken back to that room and the doctor came back, I did not enter into a debate with the doctor about the reality of COVID. I did not discuss with her any speculation regarding the social or economic factors at play or behind the pandemic. She did not then go through with me the contents of each medication that she was giving me to make sure that I was satisfied and approved of her choices. No, the opposite was true. She said, take this pill. I took the pill. 
random people would come into the room and stick me in the gut with some type of syringe, and I just said, thank you very much. Other people came into the room, and they had an IV. They put stuff in the IV, and I have no idea what was in it at the time, and I still have no idea what they put in my IV. The doctor said for me to prone. I didn't know what proning was. Prone means when you lay on your stomach. And I didn't argue with her and say, well, I don't sleep on my stomach, and it's nearly impossible to do that on one of these hospital beds with wires attached to me. I just did it. Do you know why I did it? Because I didn't want to die. I did it because I wanted to live and get better and because she was the doctor and I wasn't the doctor. And if I wanted to get better and live, I needed to submit to their way because I already knew my way didn't work. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be a conscientious person about what you put in your body or talking to your doctor, but there is a humility and grace that we need to show each other no matter what your position. Friends, Submission and obedience to the will and the word of God are the deeds in keeping with repentance, okay? It took more than me going to the hospital to get better. I had to do what they said for me to do. I had to submit to their plan and design for my life. If I argued, if I rebelled, If I refused, I would not have gotten better. The same is true if you would be saved from the sickness of your sin. You have to flee to Jesus Christ for life, and you find him in his word. You must next confess him as your Lord and master. That means he calls the shots, and you don't. In Romans 10, 8, it says this, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that just means master, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone... Listen, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, I know I'm pounding the drum here, but to call Jesus Lord is to call him your master and is to acknowledge his lordship over all and in part over everything, but in particular over you. And that just means not you on Sunday. That means all of you. I couldn't decide to follow the doctor's orders only on Sunday. That wouldn't have made sense. I was there for a week. If you truly believe in Jesus Christ for who he is, if you truly confess him to be Lord, that scripture promises you're going to live. You're going to be saved. In fact, we read about that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? It's not a complicated process. It is a simple cry that comes from a great need that focuses solely on the only hope and source to remedy that need. I love that there are babies in here. I hear them. They know how to cry. And when they cry out, they don't want just some rando coming up. 
They want their mama. They're not going to stop crying until they get their mom. It's the same way. They cry for the comfort of their mother. They will not stop until she comes, and they will accept no other. The amazing promise of the word of God is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you realize that, that he will answer you? The God of the universe will answer your cry for salvation. He responds to your need in the most intimate way. He already has in his son because he responds with himself. He doesn't send angels. He doesn't send an intermediary. He sent himself. That leads us to the very next action, it's, or last one. It's C. It's receive. Receive the physician who is the cure. So to get better from COVID required me to receive medication and care from the doctors. I had to take the medication, and they found various ways to take the medication, which was outside of me, and to put it inside of me. And not just one time, I had to continue with it through my stay at the hospital and even after. And these things that I received, I took in. They changed me externally over time. And I began to feel better, and I did not die. Again, I'm thankful for the medical care that I received from the many doctors and nurses who helped me. I'm thankful for the medication that I was able to take, and I'm very thankful for the insurance that paid for it. Thank you, Lord, for insurance. And I am thankful I did not die from COVID pneumonia as many others have. But despite everything I received, I'm still going to die someday. And I know that. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only cure for the inevitable eternal death that is the result of our sin, of my sin. And guys, that's something outside of me. And that's something outside of you. You have to receive that. When you receive a gift, you accept it. You take it to yourself. You must receive the word of God. And in James 1, 21, it says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, here it is, in humility, receive the word implanted. Don't miss this next part, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. And scripture says that this word, it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, this word is at work in you who believe. It's doing something in you internally. But remember that the word of God is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So to receive the word of God is necessarily to receive Jesus Christ. We end where we began. One man, Adam, plunged the world into our starry state of sin. And one man, Jesus Christ, is the free gift of salvation offered to all. Listen again to Romans 5. It talks about this free gift. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. 
for the judgment following one's trespass through condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, that's Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord or Master. So, to live eternally, you must receive the free gift of in righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our great physician or doctor. But he doesn't just come into our room and He doesn't come in covered in PPE, and he doesn't spend a few minutes like the doctors did with me and make a few orders and notations of medication before moving on to the next guy. Jesus Christ comes in the room and he says, get up. I'm taking your place. He's the physician that trades places with his patients. He took on our weakness, and he took on our frailty, And he took on our pain and he bore the penalty of our sin on his shoulders at the cross of Calvary when he died. And he died on Calvary alone. And he he was abandoned by everyone. He was forsaken by the Father. He perfectly obeyed the Father. and And then he offers to clothe you with his righteousness. And he rose again and conquered death for the glory of God and for the life of the world. So summation. And if you are found in Jesus Christ this morning, friends, here's the wonderful thing. You're never alone. You will never be alone. Even in your death. Even in that day of judgment that is coming, you will stand, not alone, you will stand with Jesus Christ. He is with you. He is your advocate. And it is like when you stand before the Father, Jesus says, this one's with me. I paid her debts. She's forgiven. I clothed him with my righteousness. She's holy. She's separated. I've talked a lot, and I'm sorry if I've gone over time, but here's the point. The world will continue to worry and to fear and to argue and to manipulate over COVID or the next virus or the next crisis or the next pandemic, let's not be part of that as the people of God. Let's come together around the real and eternal danger of death that infects the soul of every single person in this world. And as God gives us wisdom, let us use this and every opportunity to point the world and our families and ourselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray. Holy Father, after spending so much time in your word, all we can do is say thank you and praise your name. Um, 
We thank you for the great grace which you have lavishly poured on undeserving, wicked rebels who hated you. Father, you responded to that with love. Love that was most evidently displayed in the gift of your son, your one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life on the cross of Calvary. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And Father, I pray that you would draw many of the people here listening to my voice into friendship with you. We know that it is a work that you must do. We know that you are the good shepherd that looks for the lost sheep. Father, would you find the lost sheep that are here this morning? Won't you pick them up, dust them off, and take them home, and make them clean by and through our very gifts?